0: Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And how did he do that? We're going to talk more about that today. Uh, how he overcame death by death. Um, how he satisfied us, uh, our sin debt, by by shedding his blood. Um, I gotta tell you, I'm humbled by this message. Um because I just I don't feel like I I understand the the I mean this is such a huge an important teaching, and it's, uh, it's something that I just continue to grapple to understand the breadth and the depth of it. It is just, it is huge. And there's a simplistic element to it, but just the magnitude of what God has done for us in Christ is just amazing. It is just overwhelming. Um, and sometimes we even use terminology like, oh, I can't believe that God did that for me. You know, but, uh, but that is the catalyst. That's what, that's what literally commissions God's grace into our life is the faithfulness of God. And, uh, He's called us to believe this wondrous truth that He loved us so much, even in the midst of our depravity, our rebellion, our sinful state. He loved us, uh, so that His grace is not merited by anything that we've done or could do. He knew that we were lost in uh, and dead in our transgressions and sin and uh, and he met our need uh even when we were in a rebellious state um this is the love and mercy of our god now, I don't know if you've had this uh, situation. I know uh, often I have the opportunity to share the gospel with people, to share the good. When we say gospel, we mean the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of what God has done in Christ to to satisfy our sin debt and to literally, um, as we sang in that song, we we stand before the throne of righteousness, the the throne of holiness, perfection, and we are faultless. In the record, in the in the in the perf- perfect obedience of Christ, because that's what's been shared for, with us when we believe Christ as Lord and Savior, when we acknowledge that He went to the cross to satisfy humanity's ill sin, and uh, and to and to bridge the gap so that we would no longer be separated from the God of the universe, the source of our life and hope and righteousness. Um, and he bridged the gap so that we might walk right back into God's presence and stand there uh, in the righteousness of Christ, justified, made right um, with God. And this is a work that we could not do, but He could and did. Um, so what I want you to do this morning, I don't know if you've had the occasion where uh someone has and I hope you have, where someone has looked to you for the answer of how do I how do I get right with God? Um, how do I, how do I find, um, how do I, how do I, uh, how do I make peace with God? How do I, how do I get saved? How do I trust Him with my life and for life? Um, if, uh, if you've had that opportunity, this text, is, uh, is, is probably one of the most ideal passages that we could share with someone. So it's a great passage to, to memorize, um, but in order to share, we must understand. And so I am so dependent, as we all are, on the Holy Spirit this morning in order to help us to understand the wonder of what God has done for us in Christ. And so I hope you've got your Bibles open to Romans chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 21. Uh, we're going to reference verse 20 as a segue. Um, and... Uh, and I hope that you're ready to take notes so that you can continue to be uh, an instrument of uh, this glorious good news that God longs to share through us. And he's empowered us by his spirit, like God has put his spirit in us. And Jesus said specific for the purpose of being witnesses, witnesses of what? The good news of Jesus Christ, that God loved us enough to save us and to spare us. Um, and so that is, uh, that's, a, that's an incredible message that is desperate to be shared in a hopeless culture. Um, So I'm going to pick up verse 21, read through 31. This will be our passage for this morning, And, and it begins like this. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, speaking of God's righteousness, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there's no distinction for all. How many? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness Because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? Is it it excluded? By what kind of law? By the law of works? No. But by the law we uphold the law rich rich text that really under, under unpacks for us the heart of god the the work of christ um, the the status of those who have faith who have believed in christ for his uh his redemptive work he has redeemed us we're going to talk about what that means so let's begin verse 21 so verse 21 starts off with a big but and, uh, and we need this. This is, this is good news. This is a massive transition from what we've been talking about and seeing over the last two and a half chapters. It's almost like, uh, Paul's picked up where he left off in verse 17 of chapter 1. A righteousness of God has been revealed by faith. And, uh, and then he, he went into this discourse about, uh, about the, the, the depth of our depravity, the, the human condition, really speaking of the human's heart, the heart condition of humanity and that we are, we are far from God and, uh, and that our sin separates us from Him. And, uh, and often how we deal with those things by, you know, initially He says sometimes we just want to believe that there's no God so that we don't have to contend with our sinful state and our separated status. Or, or, or we, we, we look at other people and we find somebody that, uh, that is a little bit more morally um, depraved than we are. And so we, so we can measure ourselves to them and feel a little bit better about where we're at. And, and, uh, and he unpacks all these things and tells us that in this passage, he clarifies that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In verse 20, as we lead into this passage, he tells us that, that the law had a purpose. And it had the purpose of revealing, giving us the knowledge of our sinful condition, um, making us aware that, man, we we've got no resources here to make ourselves right with God again. And that's where we get this giant butt. And man, this is good news. This is a, a glorious transition. Uh, we move from the the desperate, dire straits of humanity to. The, the sure hope. Do you, you hear me on that one? Like the sure hope of God's righteous declaration that he has taken his righteousness and he has given it to humanity in order to declare his righteousness. And that's a, that's an incredible statement. So it says, but now, now referring to the other side of the cross the other side of God's redemptive work, everything that the, the law and the prophets were pointing to, everything that uh, the sacrificial system was helping us to understand, everything that was moving forward to the pinnacle of God's mercy and love being demonstrated to humanity, like now, now. The righteousness of God has been manifested. Verse seventeen of chapter one says, "Revealed has been put on display," and 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 this it's saying in this in this word in the in the Greek, it's been granted. It's been granted the right. And 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 what are we really talking about? I mean, the end of this verse says it, but what are we really talking about? We're, we're talking about Jesus. Ultimately, this is the the word became flesh and dwelt us, the, the the righteous one has been, has been, been given so that we might stand, as the song said, faultless before the throne of grace. And, and what we'll understand in this passage, which I think is the most critical part of what this passage is saying, the big idea is that God is both just, he never diminishes his justice, like he doesn't just overlook sin, he doesn't just turn his back, he literally deals with sin by He pours his sin out on his son. He pours our sin out on his son. So he is both just that he he does not overlook sin, but he's also the justifier because we have been justified. We have been made right with God through the mercy of God, through the sacrifice of Christ. I mean, like he shed his blood. He poured out his life unto death and by death he conquered death, so that the wages of sin would not be administered to our life, but that we would be the recipients of God's mercy and God's grace. And what does this all say to us? We are loved beyond our wildest dreams. And that love is not based on merit. It's not based on favoritism or partiality. It's, that's, it's not what God does. It's who he is. And because that's who he is, this is what he's done for us in Christ. And it wasn't just, oh, no, look what they've done. Let me fix it. Before the foundations of the earth were established, Christ was purposed to be crucified. So it was all part of the master plan. God knew we would fall and fail. God knew we would need redemption and rescuing. God knew we needed to be saved. And he had already purposed that in Christ. Because now the righteousness of God has been manifested, revealed, displayed, granted in the person of Jesus Christ apart from the law. Why? Because the law could not deal with sin's depravity. It only pointed it out. It only revealed it. It only made us aware of how desperate we are for, for right standing with God. Apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, so the, whole, the entire whole testament was 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 all of the facets, all of the the nuances, all of the sacrificial system, all of the all that God was doing through His prophets in declaring His righteousness. All of this was leading up to the cross, because we needed a way, and God was always about making a way where there is no way. So in verse 20, we heard, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. That is pretty dire straits. For all have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. None are good, not one, the passage earlier said. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin, we, we understand what God's righteousness and glory is because we we, we see it, we experience our own depravity and understand God's righteousness in light of our inability to measure up. Does that make sense? And then, and then God in His mercy gives us His righteousness. It's like the righteousness of God, from God, because of God. You know, to declare the righteousness He has, uh, it's an awesome thing. But Paul shifts his focus from humanity's desperate state to God's promised gift. Paul picks up where he left off as I mentioned in chapter 1 verse 17 and he unpacks our dire straits for this entire time and then makes this glorious shift to yeah, God knew and God has solved our massive dilemma. Because what he longs listen, what he what he's after is 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 breaking down the separation that we god i mean i had a i had a wonderful conversation with a dear friend this week that was just mourning the loss the absence of a friend that has just moved away and uh and and, and as we process through that we just kind of talked about like the heart of god like man he he didn't want us to have separation from him and we couldn't do anything about it but he could and did and that declares His righteousness. It declares and demonstrates His love. He, He wants us with, at home with Him. He wants us to be in right relationship with Him. He wants us to have peace with Him. He wants us to know the righteousness of God. Jesus' perfect obedience is given to us. His, His righteous record is imputed to our spiritual account. Does that not blow your mind? That's the thing that I have to constantly bathe my mind in. I have to constantly read and, and believe because the, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm desperate for his help in that Jesus' righteousness is mine because God says so in in my faith and belief in Christ. and And I stand before the only God, the only judge that matters, Justified. Because Jesus was willing to share his resume, his righteousness with us. His, his, his record of perfect obedience is given to us. Man, man that is, that's a big deal. That's huge. That's, that's cosmic in its scope, but in its expression in our life, it's huge. Because now we don't stand in condemnation. We live in freedom and liberty we live set free and uh, and have the have the joy of the gospel to help others experience freedom outside of God's perfect gift we'll never measure up there's there's no plan b you know Jesus said I am the way the truth and life and no one comes to the father except through me he didn't need he didn't need an alternative when you have the perfect way it doesn't we don't need another way he is the way the good news says that God has offered his righteousness to us and through it alone, through it alone, we are accepted. We are accepted. So the very thing we needed, God gave us. And he didn't just go, oh, here you go. He, he died and paid the penalty that our sin deserved and, uh, and made us, made us one with him. And that's what he's continuing to do through his spirit. So, so how is this righteousness received? This is how this passage helps us to understand, um, or what this passage helps us understand. In Romans three twenty two, the first part of the verse, it says, "The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe." Through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Now, what's important is that we understand it's not what we, uh, it is what we put our faith in that matters. It, it is what. Now, I can put. My hope, my trust in a chair, right? And if the chair holds me, um, great. You know, that's, that's what I had hoped for. Uh, if it doesn't, now I've misplaced my trust in the chair and my faith and the chair are at fault, right? Right? See, what we have to understand is when we put our faith in God, um, our, our faith is not misplaced. But it's not our faith. It's not our faith that makes us fall or stand. It's the chair. And so, so often if we have this mindset that, oh, I gotta have enough faith to believe, we have to understand the faith of a mustard seed. Like we have to understand that it's, it's our, it's what our faith is in. And Jesus is, is, is perfect in his righteous record. Like God, God doesn't ever miss the mark. And so, when our faith and confidence and hope and trust is in Him alone, um, our faith is not misplaced, and we stand with assurance and confidence. But it's not in our in our faith, because there'll come times where our faith is uh, is a little challenged, right? Uh, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind, because you know the testing of your. Right, I mean, God is refining our faith, and sometimes our faith feels a little weak, and then that, that can create some, un, you know, assurance issues. But but the thing is, is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful to the very end. The one who calls you is faithful; He will do it. Um, our confidence, our hope, is in Him. We trust Him, and He is faithful. Second part of verse 22 uh, continues this way for there is no distinction for all, all have sinned and fall short. Or if we really want to understand the Greek here, uh, we have a lack of God's glory or we miss the mark of the glory of God. Everyone, there is no exception, no matter how righteous we might seem in the worldly paradigm or how vile we may seem uh, based on moral culture and standards. We all fall short of God's righteous standards, his righteousness. And when God imparts those things to us and shows those things to us, he is just revealing himself to us. And so what does he want? He wants us to be like himself. And what has he done? He's, he's, He's made us and making us to be like to be like him. Our sin has separated us from his glory, or we would understand it even more profoundly from his presence. We can no longer experience his approval without his mercy, without his grace. We were created to know and to reflect his glory. This was the purpose. Uh, We were image bearers. And now because of sin, we lack that Imaged, it is veiled, it is diminished significantly, and we fall short of God's glory, God's glory. Jesus perf- perfectly displayed God's glory, and through his death and resurrection satisfied our sin for our sake, for our sake, so that God's glory was restored in those who trust in him. And see, belief is something that God continues to, to, to call us to and to, and beckon us to and strengthen us to through His Spirit because it's, it's when we come to uh, believe that everything that is true becomes our personal reality. Because otherwise we operate out of a litany of lies that cause us to doubt instead of trust in God's divine character in his faithfulness. In verse 24, it continues, and are, speaking of those that have believed God for his righteousness and are justified by his grace. You know, many have used this word justified and they try to explain it as just as if I've never sinned. But we have to understand it's it's better than that. We literally, we literally stand in a in a righteous state it's never it's never diminished it, it's not our righteousness it's his our sin doesn't affect his righteousness it's been given to us and our sin in, in and if we try to you know sometimes i think we think too much of our sin and not enough of his righteousness like his his righteousness is this grand thing that satisfies our sin debt and and that's that's our spiritual status before a righteous god and that is what we're called to believe that's what the, this passage is is telling us the truth about the reality of god's redemptive work about a cross that received god himself the perfect atoning sacrifice for humanity's sin willingly he bled and died to conquer sin and death so that he might, declared, that he might rise from the dead three days later, later to, to declare victory over sin and death so that he could impute himself righteousness, the righteousness from God to us. That he might grant himself, his, righteous, his glory might be restored in sinful humanity. And so your sin is atoned for, paid for covered by the blood of Christ, and now you are standing in a righteous standard. The, the perfect obedience record of Christ is the believers. I, I can't explain that. I can't teach that. I can just try to try to approach that from a million different perspectives, but that's amazing. That's overwhelming. That's, that's huge. And what it comes down to, do you believe that God loves you enough to do that? Because that's what he's done. That is what he's accomplished. It is finished. It's done. It's just a matter of going, was it done for me? Yes. It was done for you. And just, just taking God at his word because he's never failed to be, to be faithful to it. Taking God at his promise that he would send Himself, his son, that there would be a suffering servant, and it was it was Emmanuel, God in skin, coming to redeem humanity, and it's just embracing that personally, so that we might, through the spirits with the spirit's help, we might come to know um, the wonder of being the righteousness, the righteousness of God. So, we, the believer. Are justified by his grace grace as a gift, and other translations will use the word freely and and what i want to understand, I want to help us understand here this is huge is that there 's nothing in us that merits god 's favor god 's mercy it 's unmerited favor god 's grace there 's nothing in us that, that there 's no there 's no partiality there 's no favoritism there 's nothing that warranted it. What we have to understand have you ever received a gift and the the giver said. Just because. Just because. Like, it's not your birthday, it's not anniversary, it's not, I mean, and you want to, you and it's, I mean, like, we're not talking about just any gift, we're talking about, the Bible to refer to the gift of God, <laughs> like, the gift, the ultimate gift, like, the righteousness of God, like, and and then when you're, when you're wondering, because it, it, it causes us to go, why, why? <laughs> Uh, for me some how you know like all the questions that that surround that and god just says just because i love you like and that's not what we must understand is god doesn't love us based on what we do or don't do god's love isn't something that is merited by our by our resume or our actions because it would never happen God's love is because it's who He is. God, God isn't loving, He is love. And He, He literally is the source, He is the definition, He is the expression of all that God, that love is. He defines it. And the Bible says, for God demonstrated His own love for this and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Like, the cross is the greatest, the fact that God gives us His righteousness in exchange for our sin, like, and it's not just this exchange, but that he suffered the very penalty, the, the cost, the, the pain, the anguish, the excruciation, the shame. And get, he, he faced it all for us and said, you know what I want to do in exchange for what I've done for you? I want to give you my righteousness. Why? And we must understand it's freely given. It's just because. Because it's, it's not your birthday. And it's not because you had, you're a good boy or a good girl. It's just because God is good. Like, He is good beyond... He defines what good is. And the moment that you start in the midst of a, of a difficult time, I know many of us are going through difficult times, hard experiences. You know what sustains us in that? God is God is good. God is good. He's nothing else but good. And so what it helps us, to, what it causes us to do is to look at our circumstances and go, then he's good in this. You know why? Because this is meant from God's perspective to cause me to bear fruit. This is meant to fashion and form me into the image of Christ. Because God is good. And, and even if the world intended it for evil, God could even intend those purposes because God works all things together for good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that's not cliche. That's truth. That's God's reality. And that's what he's doing for us. That's what he's done for us. That's what he's accomplished. It is finished in Christ. And so it, it's for us to believe. It's for us to receive the wonder of God's love and grace and to go, yes. My sin is atoned for. My sin has been stripped from me, and what has been given to me in exchange is the righteous standing of Christ himself, who perfectly did it all right, and now I get to stand in his record. Guys, you will never, you'll never get a better gift than that. That is the gift. And, uh, and it continues to give. It continues to liberate and set us free from all the lies and all the things that, that seek to wreck us and ruin us. God is setting us free. This is his work. This is what he's after. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, like it's not, it's in him, like it's what he brought to us. And what is redemption? The word redeem has an Old Testament understanding. Uh, Leviticus 25. If you want to look at that at some point, jot that down, verse 25 specifically. But it helps us to understand what redemption is all about. A person through the circumstances of life, um, agriculture was probably a big, a big part of the commerce. Of uh, Jewish culture at that time, and uh, and it's for someone that has because of drought, because of circumstances, because of their own fault and failure, uh, they've gotten into debt and they've had to sell their land or themselves or their family, and now they are they are a slave. And what there's a kinsman redeemer. Uh, we see that if you want to read about a story about this, read the book of Ruth. Uh, it's a beautiful story of Boaz, the lineage of, Paul, of uh, King David himself. And, and in this story, what happens is the nearest relative literally purchased the debt of the person that is enslaved by it in order to liberate them from their debt. This is what Jesus has done for us. He has, he has paid the debt that was, that was rightfully ours The wages of sin is death. Like, He's paid our debt, and He has liberated us from that debt. Like, guys, we have to understand that we, sin deserves justice. God's wrath. Like, we, we don't like to acknowledge that, but that's, that's part of the fact that God is just. He's just. But He's, He's so righteous. He's so, He's the justifier too. He, He, He poured out what was due us on Himself. Willingly, intentionally. Like here, get this. He planned it that way. And and what that challenges me to is this, is that I need to be that kind like God God is that's what He's forming in me. That's you know, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. What does that look like? Well, you know, we're saved to serve. We're you know, we we, we, we sacrifice so that others might experience I mean Jesus Jesus suffered our sin debt. Like man, and then he said come follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross. Man, come do what I do. Come do what I did. Like go with me to your cross so that you might die, so that you might live. Right? Like that's that's and that's that's what he's he's given us life. In Christ, real life, we were, we were born dead and now he's breathed life by his grace through the redemptive work of the cross. It's an awesome statement, but through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's what, when he came, that was in him. That's what he imparted to us. It is not our faith that saves us. It is who our faith is in that redeems us. It has always been about faith in God's character, promises, faithfulness, and ultimately the work of the cross. It has always been about faith in Him, not how much faith I have. He is the object of our faith. He is the, He is the, He is the omega, and He is the, He is the alpha. He is the start and finisher of our faith. Tim Keller says this, faith is simply the attitude of coming to God with empty hands. That's what our faith is. Our faith is coming, acknowledging, I've got nothing, you have everything, and I'm desperate for you and lost without you. When a child asks for something from their parents that they need, trusting that they will receive it, their asking doesn't merit anything, Keller says. It doesn't It doesn't merit anything. Just because your child comes to you and asks for something and you're a great parent that loves to give good gifts just because they ask, does that merit anything? It is merely a way of receiving the parent's generosity. And because it's God's way, it's it's what God has purposed in how we come to, to receive his righteousness, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Like like. God is postured to be a giver because that's what love does for God so loved the world that he gave like the gift the gift and i think that i think that it really challenges us this morning to to reprioritize like what's precious in life what's really the gift am i willing to 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 sell it all to to gain the pearl of great cost and great like this is this is where it's at. This is the gift, and so it 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 doesn't matter. Just but because God has authored it to be. Believe, ask, and it'll be given. You know now it becomes a promise that He'll be faithful to. Man, do we get that? Like, God is postured to impart his righteousness to us, to our spiritual account, so we're no longer under the wages of sin. Like, he is postured to give us that. Like, he, he's the prodigal father on the horizon, wanting the son to come home. And when he does, man, he lavishes him with love and restores him not to servant but son. Like, that's, that's our God. And, and, and the reason that the, 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 guy with one talent didn't get it is because when he starts talking like, you, you reap what you do not, he didn't even know. He didn't know the heart and character of God. God wants us to know him. He surrounded us by his creation for that purpose. Like, God wants to be known. He wants to reveal himself to us. And, and ultimately he wants to relieve us of our sin debt. He wants to, he wants us to receive his righteousness so that we are healed. He's the healer. Like he wants to heal us. And the only thing that gets in the way of that is pride and arrogance and self-sufficiency. And those things are killing us. Die to those things. Find that that it's humility that leads to wisdom. If we really take the Proverbs and start mixing it together, we understand that, that wisdom is the great treasure. And the ultimate wisdom is that God is good. Man. This is critical because if you think that your faith is that, is what causes your salvation, your focus will be on your faith and not on your Savior. Then when you experience doubts, and I didn't say if, but when you experience your doubts, it will determine, it will undermine your assurance. It will shake you. And when your feelings fluctuate, so will you. See, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't fluctuate, fade, or spoil. God is good all the time. So that is it's, it's, our, it's our confidence in Him. It's our trust in Him that sustains us. See, faith is not a work. It is a declaration of dependency. And when we're asking God for His mercy, we are receiving it because He's promised it and He's faithful. He's faithful. Keller says that faith is only the instrument by which you receive salvation, not the cause of it. It's not the cause of it. We have nothing to boast about except to boast in the cross of Christ. I mean, doesn't talking about this morning make you want to go, oh, I'm so, I'm so thankful for the cross. Because what we boast in is what we find our confidence in. So we are told in this passage that all who believe are made righteous, are made righteous, created righteous. God does that, you know. And we know that all have sinned and lack God's glory. So we all need righteousness through Christ's willing sacrifice. We can all be reconciled to God. That's what the passage says that all have sinned, all are in dire straits, all are broken, destined for the wide road that leads to destruction. And Jesus says, I am the way. I've made a way where there was no way. I have. Uh, follow me. I'll get you out of here. I love this. Came across this in reading this week. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. Don't miss this. The man who has faith is the man who is no longer looking at himself and no longer looking to himself. He no longer looks at anything he once was. He looks not, I'm sorry, he does not look at what he is now. He does not look at what he hopes to be. He looks entirely and solely to the Lord Jesus Christ and his finishing work and he rests on that alone. He rests on that alone. The next question that's answered is, how can a just God make sinners righteous who deserve death and continue to be perfectly righteous? Does that make sense? How can a just God pardon sin and continue to be a just God, a righteous God? Verse 24, he says, and are justified by his grace as a what? As a gift, it's a gift that gifts must be received, but it's a gift that's extended by Almighty God with purpose, intention, declaration. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, God longs to redeem us. Now, here's the thing. What culminates at the cross is God's perfect justice. Why? Because the penalty of sin is paid for. And he takes it for us. What culminates at the cross is the declaration, the demonstration of God's love for us, because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God is the justifier, but he's still just. And it's this, it's this beautiful mix of, of everything that God is and does, and it demonstrates who, who he is and how much he loves us. And this is how the just and righteous God makes unjust and unrighteous sinners righteous. Listen to what it says here in verse 25. Whom, speaking of Jesus, God put forth as a propitiation. What we have to understand that word to be is an atoning sacrifice. And many have broken up atonement so that we can understand it as at one moment with God. Like, Like, you know, it requires blood, right, to cover sin. That's, that's God's standard. That's how it works. Something must die in order to cover sin. And Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. By design, on purpose, with intention, willing heart, free given gift. So it says, Jesus put for, God put forth Jesus as a perpetuation, a, a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, not ours. Not the blood of lambs and I mean if I I encourage you, there's two books I want you to read this week, and, and they're 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 Bible books, so they're not like book books. But they're and they're, they're you know, but read Galatians and Hebrews this week. Man, if, if you're a student, that, man, dig into because that's that will help unpack the sufficiency of Christ and that God's desires that we rest in his righteousness. But it says God put forward as a perpetuation um, Sacrifice of atonement by His blood to be revealed by faith. Like, by us putting trust in what God has done and promised. Our confidence in Him. This was to show God's righteousness. God's righteousness on display at the cross when the the blood of Christ was sacrificed. He was demonstrating His righteousness. He was declaring His righteousness. He was, He was doing what the stars had been doing for millennium because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins, a deferred payment. This is the, God had left all the, sin, the blood, the blood of, of animals. That was just a, that was a stand in. Like it was all being, it was all being deferred. It was all being held till the cross. Every sin would be atoned for at the cross. Every, every person in the old Testament still fell under the wrath of God. But if you remember, what, who, who was declared righteous? Those that had faith in Christ, those who had faith in God. And so until the, the ultimate sacrifice, those who trusted God received the mercy of God. And then the, the expression of that mercy was declared, was, was f- come to fruition in the cross and, uh, and, and, uh, and now the payment has been made and uh, we are recipients of a, of a clean slate. In order to put God's righteousness on display, he turned his wrath away from us and poured it out on himself. Poured it out on himself. Don't miss this. So the cross is the place where the judge takes the judgment. The cross is the place where the judge, like willingly, intentionally planned, takes the judgment. John Murray said it this way, God loved the objects of his wrath so much that he gave his own son, the objects of his wrath so much that he gave his own son to the end that he, by his blood, should make provision for the removal of his wrath. Because we couldn't. God doesn't compromise justice in order to demonstrate his love. He doesn't. He, he, he accomplishes both perfect love and justice at the cross. He doesn't abandon his justice. He turns it on himself. Man, that's, that's, that's amazing love. Verse 26, it was to show his righteousness. Doesn't this put it in context? It was to show his righteousness at the present time. God had purposed at the the point of the cross, at the culmination of God's redemptive work, to, to show his righteousness, to show his redemptive work, to reveal all that the Old Testament law and prophets were pointing to. It all makes sense in Jesus. That's why Paul could go into these churches, the synagogues, and could prove Jesus through the Old Testament. So that he might be, speaking of, God, he might be just and the justifier, the one who has, of the one who has faith in Jesus. And look, the call is this, believe. You know, in John chapter 6, verse 28 and 29, they started asking, they're like, you know, they wanted to make him king and because he had fed the 5,000, they chased him around a lake. And, uh, and, and the question was asked, you know, then what must we do to do the work of God? And Jesus said this, to believe in the one he has sent. That is it. To believe. Verse 27 goes on to say, Then what, shall, what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. It is excluded. By what kind of law? By the law of works? No. But by the law of faith. See, we boast in what gives us confidence. We boast in what defines us. Right? Right? And so if we really think about it, what defines us as believers? The cross of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. That's what defines us. And so it doesn't make any sense to boast in our faith. Does that make sense today? I mean, that's such a rich and important piece. We don't boast in our faith. It's not our faith that saves us. It's Jesus Christ that saves us. Right? And so we're not boasting. Our confidence isn't in our faith that's not what defines us. We're not defined by our faith and belief. We're defined by the righteousness of God. And so that's what we boast in. That's what we celebrate. That's what we lift up. Because that's what saves us and others. You know, as, as we declare the righteousness of, of God, as we, as we boast in the cross and boast in the mercy of God, and 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 our testimony becomes a witness of that then you know god gets what he's after and that's his glory why because that's what saves us that's that's what we're saved in like you know for all have fallen short of what the glory of god that's what we need and so what is god trying to put on display his glory in in uh in uh, Galatians chapter, uh, if you were, okay, here, verse 28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Like, yes. Like, that's the way it's always been. There's never, there's not like the Old Testament way of sacrifice, the New Testament way of obedience. That's not how it works. It's been by faith from the beginning. Genesis 15 6. For Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It's always been about faith. The Acts is at the root, John the Baptist said to those that came to him, trusting in their lineage as a as a as, as an as a Jew. No. It's always been by faith that we are saved. And this not of ourselves, it is a work that God has done and doing. So For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. There is no work that we can do or have done that can save us. Will we agree with that? Never. No way. We never will measure up. So what's there to boast about? The cross. Because that's how we're in God's presence. It's because of what Christ did, and it causes us to boast. Galatians six fourteen says, But far be it. Paul says this to the church in Galatia, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Far be it from me to boast. And and you think about it in Philippians chapter three, you know, he goes into all these accolades about his life, like he's the Hebrew of Hebrews, he's a Pharisee, he's born of the tribe of Benjamin. I mean he goes on and he lays out this resume that any Jew would be like, You Gee, that's it. That's that's the pinnacle of Jewish culture, of influence, physically. I mean, uh, spiritually, politically, um, in every way. And he calls it filthy rags, in light in, in light of the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ as Lord. Like, really, nothing, nothing uh, compares to. Uh, if we're going to boast in anything, we boast in the cross of Christ and what God has done for us in Him. And in order to receive Christ's finishing work on our behalf, we must find no confidence in ourselves. And when we boast about anything else, that's what we're doing. We're putting confidence. We're, We're saying, this is what defines me. But isn't it true that my confidence is in the Lord and it is Christ who defines me by his righteousness? And so that and that alone becomes our boast, our boast. We boast in what we have put our faith in. The good news is that Christ is worthy of our faith and our boasting. This creates great confidence in our salvation because it doesn't depend on doesn't depend on me doesn't even my faith is a gift. no one seeks him, not one verse twenty nine thirty says or is God the God of Jews only, of religious people? Is he not the God of Gentiles also, the unreligious? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised, the religious by faith, those that feel like some act of righteousness is going to get them there, and the un- uncircumcised by faith. See, because what does boasting cause in us? Like, when we, when we boast in ourselves... It, it by default it causes disunity i'm what am i saying i'm better than you right it causes division or you know when we're boasting ourselves what we're really doing is we're 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 in denial about the fact that i'm a sinner we're not accepting we're not acknowledging that we fall short of the glory of god and all we got to do is take a take a take a quick look at god's righteousness and we know that we missed the mark. When we continue to look to ourselves and we boast in ourselves, uh, it creates anxiety because our confidence is always in a compromised state because we know we're not righteous. We know if anyone knows we fall and fail, we do. So when we're boasting in ourselves and being defined by our own works, man, we're, we're constantly in disunity we're constantly in a mode of anxiety, and, and then we're, in, in a, we're truly in a state of denial. So what is the good news? Here's the thing that needs to bathe our minds as we close. The good news is this. Jesus paid it. He paid it all. That's, that's, that means, I think in the Greek, that means like everything. Like all of it. You know, like seriously, like he's, it's all been covered does that not liberate you this morning? Does that not well up joy? Does that not release the weight? You know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all, all unrighteousness. Like this, this is God's objective. This is God's purpose and plan because nothing else will relieve our sin debt or liberate us to joyful obedience. Because that's what we move into is joyful obedience out of an act of worship. Because what is true worship? Later on in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's, what we're talking about this morning, God's mercy, to offer your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. What do we do now? We just, our lives become the offering. It's not about a couple bucks on Sunday. I mean, that's, man, it's, we give him everything because that's what he did for us. Man, God is so good. So the good news is this, Jesus paid it all. Secondly, every time I fail, every time I fail, his love becomes more apparent to me. Every time I fail, I become more and more educated in the grace of God. Now, Paul's already mentioned prior to this that, hey, let's not, you know, because he puts a hypothetical question out there. Hey, let's go sin a lot so that we put God's grace on display. I mean, it sounds crazy, but sometimes when we, when, we, when, we, when we hear that every time I fail, his love becomes more apparent to me, that's kind of like, oh, well, good. I need to figure out his love. So, you know, that's, that, that would be a betrayal of the love that's been extended to us, right? That, would, that, would just, that, that, that just wouldn't sit right in our hearts if we really understood the gift that's been given, the gift. <laughs> our sin should drive us closer to him. Right? That's what the good news does, is it, it drives us to this dependent state that I can't live without you. I'm in a constant desire to abide with him because I'm fruitless without you, Lord. Our, our, and it quenches everything we've talked about. Our anxiety is quenched by his perfect love, which drives out all fear. Perfect love drives out, because fear has to do with punishment. And Jesus endured our punishment. So now we're liberated. Like, wow. So now we don't fear. One of the roots of anxiety is fear. But we don't fear because perfect love casts out all fear. We know that we are loved beyond measure, not because of something we've done, but because of everything he did. And finally, verse 31 says, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? You would think the right question would be yes, yes. But the answer is by no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. On the contrary, we up- see, the good news frees us up to uphold the law. It's now the Spirit's work. We become an instrument of righteousness. That's, that's what happens. At verse 8, we'll talk about this, that we become, like our, our members become instruments of righteousness. The law is no longer an instrument of condemnation to me, but a way that I love and abide with my God and Savior. But we must understand that the law has been perfectly kept for us in Christ, that, that, that is the righteousness given to us by God to those who believe. See, like when we understand that, we stand, that our, our, our sin no longer defines us, it's the righteousness of Christ that defines us. Don't you think we live in victory in that posture? Don't you think we live in radical obedience and love and worship in that posture when we're mindful of the fact that I stand in Jesus' perfect obedience record before a holy and just God? My sin will never condemn me, as Romans 8 says. Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And, and we close with 2 Corinthians 5.21. Let this, let this be commentary on all that we've talked about today and that Paul says to the church in Corinth, for our sake. Wow. For our sake. For our sake. He, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the big idea today. He made him, for our sake, let's never jump and miss that. For our sake, he made him, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that we might become, so that we might be created in fashion and fashioned and formed through the sacrifice and the blood sacrifice of Christ, the redemptive work of the cross, we might be justified and redeemed, that we might become the righteousness of God. Guys, that is good news. This is what the world desperately needs to hear. This is what I desperately need to hear. Uh, We need to acknowledge that God is good. He loves us. And he's he's sought us and saved us just because of that. Father, we thank you for your word that continues to instruct our hearts, uh, that puts us in a place of just gratitude and thanksgiving. Worship, Lord, because we now have been justified by the judge and we've been given the gift. Lord, help us to... um, Help us to want nothing else but to be satisfied in what you've given us. Help us to stand in your righteousness and not seek a righteousness of our own. It doesn't make sense. Lord, let us us acknowledge that that you loved us enough for this act to be um, an expression of that love to us. And let the fact that you love us and that you have caused us to belong to you because of the finishing work of the cross, help that to, to move us to great belief in your faithfulness knowing that it's you who saves and we love you Lord and thank you in Jesus name. Amen.